What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here, and I am with Anthony Ione and Mike Morton. We are going to hold it down today, um, but we're super excited to talk about the Open that happened this weekend. Lots to dive into. A little bit of a different show format this um, week, but it'll still be fun. So thanks for uh, joining us in this you know, less than traditional episode. <laughs> That's yeah, what we do. Be like, I was going to be like, Trey, you really grew that beard in, man, yeah. when, the, when the screen popped up. So. <laughs> exactly. I've been around Trey so much, I'm starting to look like him. Are <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, let's see. Should I move? Uh, there we go. Now you're really Trey. <laughs> hey, top left. There he is. Top, top left. That's even more more like Trey Ryder. Nice. <laughs> nice. So what is this about? You've been spending a bunch of time in the HQ or what's going on? <laughs> Maybe not enough. I don't know. We'll we'll find out. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Either too much or not enough. So I don't think any of us. Uh, you were you in Kentucky, Mike? I was. Oh, you were there. Okay, I was. I don't think any of us were there. Okay, so you were there. That's awesome. Um, so you can give us your uh, take on it and being there live. I did get to watch almost all of it um, this weekend, and to me, there was a few storylines. I'm not going to talk about them all, but I'm just going to list them. Courtney yeah. Coy, Donald Cup. <laughs> Richards Lopez, Wooten, Caden Allen, Logan Chamberlain. Those are the people that really stood out to me. Um, so I'm excited to dive into it. But anyone else that you just want to shout out that really stood out to you guys this past weekend? Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Yeti Irwan, my partner for the state Colorado State Championships. Well, there played, you go. I played some cornhole this weekend, Mish. What? Yes, a rare occasion, a rare occasion. Um, and? Not. No, it was, it was a good time. We have our, uh, we kind of do an annual just state tournament, you know, where everybody comes in. So, you know, like the Whitney Martinez is coming in from the mountains. She's way out in the mountains, like four and a half hours away. Colorado Springs is like two hours south, all the way up to the top. Colorado is actually a pretty big state. So like two hours north into Fort Collins. I mean, you could probably drive almost eight hours in the diagonal and still be in Colorado. Wow. So it's, it's a pretty big state, but um, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, it all went down in Denver, um, run by a mile high cornhole. And um, yeah, Yeti, Yeti's a beast, man. We, uh, I don't have a normal partner cause I just can't commit to people, you know, yeah. cause I don't play enough, but I, I hit up uh, uh, Yeti and, and, and Harry Stoltzmoose, if you don't know, is an ex pro hell of a bagger Yeti's husband. I didn't know this, but I hit up Yeti and I was like, I don't know where Harry's at anymore, if he's playing or not. But if you're available, I'm available. She's like, give me a couple days to figure it out. She hits me back and she's like, let's do this. Harry shows up for the state tournament. And he goes, what the hell, man? You still in my partner? <laughs> she traded you for her own husband? <laughs> I, was like, oh, I was like, oh, man, I, I my bad. And he was like, no, nah, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. So um, we had to get running. We took third. We took third, um, you know, nice. clearly. She she's the muscle and I'm just trying to do what I can to get the bags back to her. But yeah. we ended up taking uh, taking third overall um, to some really good baggers uh, out of the state of Colorado. So Wait, yeah, just good. just to make it worse. When's the last time you played in a tournament before that one? It was a while actually um, leading up to this, uh, you know, every weekend I get on on the show and it's like, hey, yeah, I played basketball. My kid was in basketball. We're in, he uh, tore his PCL. Oh. So all of a sudden our schedule opened. I didn't realize how many hours I was in gyms until his knee went out. It was like, oh my gosh, I got all, I got all kinds of time. Are you so practicing? I've, I've been practicing for oh, weeks, for a couple okay. weeks. Uh, me and Yeti uh, did like a dry run tournament. Um, what was it? A couple last weekend we did an, a tournament together just to kind of feel it out a little bit. So 
I was like, oh, this is – I missed this game. I missed this game, you know. So it was yeah. a good time. It was a good time. Yeah. Well, Anthony bummer won't, to hear Anthony about won't go over the top of this, but, but Colorado is an up-and-coming state. Third-place finish there is absolutely impressive. Impressive. Um, they, they, they're just – they're coming on like gangbusters. They're one of the highest growth areas as far as I'm concerned. And Yeti – man, what, what bags is Yeti throwing now? So she just signed with Ultra. That was actually announced today. Okay. Okay. Um, she's she's teaming up with Danny Seals for the upcoming dangerous Danny Seals for the upcoming season. Um, so she'll be transitioning into the ultras now. Uh, but she was uh sponsored by swag bags last year. That's okay. right. Now yeah. she's been really coming on strong lately. One of my women to watch for this year. Oh, oh yeah. Doubt. Yeah, Daddy's she's good. she's Daddy's putting good. the work in. It's definitely showing. It's definitely showing. Yeah. Well, then big congratulations. I should have added you to one of my uh storyline bullet points, Anthony, and Anthony Ione and Yeti Irwan, uh, right there with the uh, Kay Mallon and Wooten and all those guys. Yeah, more more Yeti Irwan and me kind of holding on to the back, you know, it was like just she's dragging me along, but we we, we did we did some work. We did some work. Anthony Ione starring as the bag returner. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. No uh, all right. And Mike, what were any, um, well, I guess any standouts from your weekend, whether it had to do with the Open or not? Well, you, you mentioned a lot of them there, and, and you know later on I'm going to talk a little about a, a bit about consistency as I went through and I compared uh, Rock Hill finishes with the uh, Louisville finishes to see who's kind of trending upwards and downwards um, as far as players that have played in both of those events so far. It's real early in the season, but anyway, we'll talk about some consistency. Um, you mentioned some of the players, Caden Allen, just my goodness, that – yeah. He, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with for a long time to come. And then, um, you know, maybe my my biggest uh, event of the weekend was I actually played at an Open for the first time. And it might have been like three years. Wow. Just when I thought I was ready, though, to play in an Open, I proved how unready I was. I might have had <laughs> the lowest PPR in the entire building. I, I'm oh. not sure, but I was in the running for it. And I know I'm not that bad of a thrower, but that's what happens when you turn the lights on and uh, it's, yeah. it's time to go. So I had a lot of fun. Um, me and Brooks Miller from uh, from SIVA at the very last minute decided to do a bag maker collab team. So we threw his bags one game and then we threw my bags one game and back and forth. And um, I don't recommend that strategy if you're trying to finish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the reason why we don't do that. Yeah, not yeah but it was a lot of fun. Okay, good, good. All right, well, um, like I said, a lot of good cornhole this weekend. If you guys want to start with women's, obviously the standout player being Courtney Coy, not just on that day, but to me the whole weekend, a really, really impressive player. Um, so, uh, Anthony, what are your thoughts on the women's side of what happened? Yeah, before getting to women's, I just kind of I like a big picture thought um, before we get into the specifics because, um, I mean, just taking a moment to really recognize all of that amateur talent. We really get a glimpse of it, right? So when we work through rounders, this establishes the tiering. And for those not familiar, maybe I'll just kind of describe that for a second. But every doubles team will play six games, and we call that a rounders format. So after those six games, your record will decide what tier or skill level you get assigned to for the bracket portion of the tournament. So, for example, there were, there were 268 teams this weekend. Uh, that led to enough teams to fill up three tiers or essentially three different skill level brackets. So we call them tier one, tier two, tier three. So tier one is going to be those teams that go six and oh, 
five and one, some of the four and twos, and then you move into your tier two, you're going to get the balance of those four and twos that didn't make tier one, some of the three and threes, and then your tier three is the rest of the field. It's going to be your three and threes all the way down to your defeated teams or your O and sixes. Now, here's for me where the amateur's talent really shows itself, and it shows it shows when pros are slightly off their game that the amateur talent is just good enough to snatch up wins. So finishing 99th in rounders, going three and three, Jimmy McGuffin and Damon Dennis. I couldn't they believe end it. up in tier two, right? Now, I couldn't believe it. are they tier two level players? Hell no, they're not. No. But on that day, for whatever reason, the amateur players got the best of them. A Caitlin Ham talking about the ladies, a Caitlin Ham and a Maddie McBride down there in tier two. These are ladies that have outplayed some of the best in the world on numerous occasions, going four and two, ending up 77th ranked after rounders. A Tyler Cobb and a Kobe Costanza also okay. finding themselves, right? And we we were talking about them being a top 20 team. You've got Getty and Crabtree down there. Stop playing. Trevor Brooks. <laughs> And Steven Bernasek, as well as Cameron Presley and Andrew Guy, in my opinion, these are really strong teams ending up down there in that tier two. And the list really goes on. So to me, it's it's not new anymore, right? We saw it last year. And I think it says, it says way less about the skill status of the high-level pros. They're still high-level. It just shows that they floor just enough that the ceiling of amateurs were able to pick it up. And I think it does say more, though, about the improved overall talent of the amateur field. We saw Wooten down there last year. Shermerhorn early last season. Finley in Tier 3, I believe it was, earlier this season, just to name a few. Those are still elite-level players and some of the best players on the planet, but on those days, the amateurs really showed um, that there's some legit unseen talent out there. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Mike, on just the whole idea of amateur talent and how it's improving? Oh, it's, it's absolutely insane. Uh, you just don't know when you step up to the board anymore. Just because you haven't heard of the name does not mean you can take anyone lightly. It's absolutely scary. Um, I, I had a conversation, and I'm going to leave the pro nameless for, for their own protection, or maybe for my protection. But I had a conversation <laughs> last year at, at one of these events, and, and the conversation went along the lines of, well, if I make Tier 2, I'm just not even going to play in it. Like, it's embarrassing. Oh. I'm just not going to do it. And, and the conversation I had with him was, well, you know, you and I get along pretty well and, you know, I've, I've, I've got your back. We're tight. But if you do that, any, any, any relevance I have in the cornhole industry, I will use to roast you like there's never been a roasting before. <laughs> you're going to end up in tier two if you play in enough of these. It's just yeah. bound to happen. The talent level is getting too insane. Um, it's, and it's not even that you're going to play poorly in any of them. Maybe the breaks just go against you. You draw a, a Windsor, you know, a Windsor Hicks in the first round, or you, you just get a couple bad breaks. And the next thing you know, you find yourself in tier two. And I, I just think it's incredibly, um, you know, important if that happens to keep a brave face on and just make lemonade out of lemons and, and go down there and do the best you can in tier two and play the string out. But no, there's nothing assured anymore. So many top tier teams have been in tier two. And like like Anthony mentioned, even tier three before. Tier three had uh, former ACL pro Ron Kugel and Isidro yep. Herrera in it this time. Yep, saw that.
Yeah, and, and it, you see the posts all the time, right? Like, I threw a 10.62 and lost. Like, you see those posts all over Insane. Facebook and Twitter. Like, you, it's just, it's the reality. And the making one of those tiers is just based on wins or losses. So you could have lost 20, 21. <laughs> and then, you, so it doesn't yeah. mean you played poorly, as you said. And it's really important to keep your ego out of that <laughs> and just right. play your game. Um, right. Yeah, we're, we're seeing it at, like you said, Colorado, a growing state. I ran into that in the state championship. My, my, my loss in singles, someone threw a 10 to nine. I mean, to throw that in Colorado, there's only a few baggers that can do that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're even seeing it at that level, but Hey Mike, if you're willing to divulge with this mystery pro, was his last name Morton too, by chance? <laughs> no, because actually Matthew and Ian made tier two uh, in, in Florida last year. It happened yeah. to them. Yeah, uh, see? Put the yeah. brave face on and, and you go down there and do the best you can. And I think the pros go one of two different ways in tier two. They either buckle on their chin strap and they go to war and they say, yeah. well, you know, we don't, don't want to be here. here. We're going to destroy the field. <laughs> or they are sort of in shock like what just happened and their head's not really in it and they don't even do very well in tier two. Right. And to be frank, that's what happened with, with Matthew and Ian last year, they went that ladder route. Um, I thought they played well in tier in the rounders, a couple bad breaks, lost to a couple good teams. They ended up in tier two and I think they went Oh, and two or one and two, just, just their heads weren't in it. They didn't want to be there. Um, you know, credit for playing the string out, but I think the pros, Pros have to learn that it's going to happen to them. Maybe and, they and need. No maybe some of them need. A, yeah, maybe some of them need a little bit of a humble pie, and that's a good way to get it. <laughs> you get the tier two, tier three. You're like, okay, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know what? That brings up a good point. If you if you guys saw Damon Dennis's post, so he was we we talked about him as one of the. I love his style. That's exactly what he said in his post. He said, hey, you're going to eat it, some humble pie every once in a while. You know, yeah. it makes you realize you got to stay on your game. And he just remained positive through that. And I think that's what you have to do, even as an elite level player, finding yourself down into tier two. You work your way through it, and then you show up to the next one, and you just kill it. You know, yeah, I mean, you, you learn. Yeah, you're like, that's not going to happen again. Not that it's in our control, right? We can only do our very best, and sometimes someone's best is better than your best. <laughs> and it's just the day. It's just the round. Yeah. And All I right, let's the, pros, the pros are understanding that the first battle when they show up at these things, the first battle is to make tier one. Yeah. That, that's your first win of the day is to make tier one, and it's no Correct. longer assured. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, so going into win. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that's yeah, that's probably a good lead into women's uh, just again, just talking about how much talent in there. Allison Peters, one of the 32 to qualify this year on her own, second to last place in the women's division. So you're even seeing the talent within the women's division only going up. Abella taking 13th, Maddie McBride who has shown herself in the championships of these type of formats. She also takes 13th. Interesting if I rewind like Maybe a year and a half ago, year yeah, it was like a year and a half ago. I first saw Maddie McBride and Ham at one of the USAC events in Nashville, Tennessee. Maddie looked like the standout player, and she, a couple tournaments after that, she kind of seemed like the standout player. I feel like that role is reversed. I feel like Ham now is really showing that she is the player within those two, and and she showed it again this weekend. Um, Cameron Belvin taking ninth. I mean, I would have picked her in the finals, if not final three. I mean, she's mm -hmm. she's on the way up. 
Kimberly Glass, if you saw some of the stats she was putting up, did you see some of those, Mike? I did. That's one of the people that I wanted to specifically call out. I think four of her first five games, she averaged over a 10 PPR. Um, she was just throwing some heat. And that's not a name that we say a lot. And if we rewind maybe well, we two will. or three years ago, <laughs> I feel like we will. She was an ESPN presence maybe two or three years ago. I feel like she's kind of working her way back there. Maybe we get a different Kimberly Glass this year. I mean, those numbers, you cannot deny those yeah, type of numbers. Mm-hmm. Can we say parity coming to the women's division? Is it yeah. time to say that? Maybe. I love Cheyenne Renner to death, but we're, we're getting a lot of contenders for the crown now. Yeah. yeah that I, was my I, prediction I think... for this season. I said, I think we're going to start to see, you know, Cheyenne Renner is really kind of on an island at the moment, like kind of untouchable in a way in the women's side of things. And it does feel like that gap is going to start closing. I think people are really starting to focus on the mental side because I was telling, I had like a conversation with a lot of these female pros. I said, the gap between you and Cheyenne uh, skill wise, it's not that big for a lot of you. Mm-hmm. But the confidence she has and the experience she has of all those wins and especially going so far in not just the women's side, but the mixed side, that kind of confidence that breaches is going to be hard to touch. So you got to up the mental game. You got to meet that that level of confidence. You're absolutely right. The mental part of it comes comes into play. And and I had somebody ask me to look into some stats, which I haven't had a chance to do yet. But I thought this was very interesting with with all of the women starting to pick their game up and throw very well and all the 10 PPRs and and above and upper nine PPRs that happened just this weekend in the women's division. um, It's going to be curious if I can go back and do this. I'd like to see what happens to the women that are averaging say a 9.8 in women's when they hit the open field, because I feel like we're not seeing those same scores. So I can explain a portion of that because there are not a whole lot of blockers in the women's division. Yeah. So your PPRs are going to be a little higher because no one's messing, messing the board up for you. Sure. Um, but is a part of that a little bit of nerves and, and maybe intimidation? Um, they throw very well in the women's division and then they get over to the open division and maybe they, they let up a little bit. I, I'm not sure. I'm not saying that's what's happening. But I feel like there's definitely a drop off in the PPR performance anyway. There, there um, is. And, and the, I agree with you. I think it is a, a dirt could be a dirtier game, but there's also stereotype threat, which is a real psychological thing, which yeah. happens when there's a dominance of something in, a, in anything. And we have a male dominant field here in Cornhole. And so there's just this threat that's unconscious. You don't have to believe it. It's still there. And it still affects the game. And I actually had a conversation with these women last month on what this is and how to combat it. Like, you you know it's there. There is a stereotype threat. It exists. And what do we do with it? Um, and, and I think that a lot of them said it was helpful. Now, I don't know how many pros showed up for that talk, but a lot of our advanced and, and competitive players found that to be very helpful. But that's what we're seeing and from my perspective yeah. on the gap. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you, take, you take some of those PP, those 10 plus PPRs that the ladies are throwing in the women's division. And you if you take that exact game and transfer it over to the open division, we should really start to see a, a, a surge in, in the women's finishes. We really Correct. we really should see that. Correct. Yeah, and to finish off my thought in singles on the idea of PPR, if we looked at the first two opens, Samantha Finley's numbers are pretty insane. She's right there every time. Yeah, we've been kind of joking about it on the side, but it's like how long can you go with those type of numbers and not start rattling off a bunch of wins? She's just having some tough breaks, 
in the bracket. Though, right? 22, 19, uh, or other one. I mean, I know they were all right there. They were close. No doubt. And then just that last thought on PPR. People, we're not talking about I threw a 10-plus in six rounds in one doubles match. Right. We are talking about a Courtney Coy throwing a 10.08 in 105 rounds. So you are demonstrating high-level, elite-level play. It's the consistency that matters there. I would rather throw a 10.08 through an entire tournament in 100-plus rounds then get one game of an 11 right and then the rest fall off with high eights you know it's that really that consistency through a whole tournament that's going to matter well at the end of the day wins matter so you're not going to be winning many games in some of those lower PPRs so right. most important you win more than one w's yeah exactly that's, that's the most important stat right there uh mike any thoughts on the women's side no we we've kind of hashed over it pretty well my final point would be courtney coy everyone loves a comeback story um, yeah. this is the Courtney Coy of old plus some more like she is just looking so solid out there. And, you know, I just feel like the corner of the world had almost buried her, um, for the last year or two, just, she just didn't seem to be the same player and the world was moving on without Courtney Coy. And they learned to live without her in the women's division as a, as a formidable presence. And just when you start to think that she's out of the mix um, this season, she is just a beast, just impressive. So hats off to Courtney. And she was throwing, uh, just to confirm, she was throwing a carpet bag, right? I don't remember what she was throwing. Okay. I can't okay, imagine then. she'd be throwing something else, but I don't actually remember what she was throwing either. I want to say she was. Uh, I just remember – the women's tournament finished up first. And we, we, we put an emphasis last week on the whole idea of will the carpet bag, will this be the year of the carpet bag? That yeah. was one of our topics last week. Um, so when I want to say it was carpet, because my first thought was like, all right, first tournament done. Check. We got a carpet winner. Is that a sign? <laughs> Is that foreshadowing yeah. the rest of the season? So I kind of kept a close eye on it throughout the entire season. And, and I don't know if this, you know, when do we say this is the year of the carpet bag? Because yeah. if you look at 268 doubles teams, like I was saying, I promise you carpet bag is in the minority. So mm -hmm. you're at a disadvantage just because of the sheer numbers. But yeah. when you looked at the entire, I did do a count across the entire division, all four brackets of singles, first through fifth place. So you're going to have a first, second, third, fourth, and two fifths. So you get six per bracket. That's 24 players. Exactly half were oh. carpet baggers. Were well, carpet baggers. So well, you know, you're not gonna see uh many carpet bags is in the senior division. <laughs> and so <laughs> who's doing it? <laughs> Mike, is there any senior throwing a carpet bag? Who is it? <laughs> no, I ran into one the other day, and, and now I can't Stop remember it. who it was. But there there are because they because they pointed out to me, we've talked about this before. And they pointed out to me that, that yes, Deborah Odom, were, but she wasn't there. But Deborah Odom, if she plays seniors, which it happens yeah. at the same time as women, so she typically plays women's. But Deborah Odom is a carpet bag thrower. Yeah, there you go. No There's one. And, and why is that? I mean, maybe for the new people out there, why is that? So a carpet game requires work, right? <laughs> it does. It, it requires. Does. I mean, you are not going to just be pitching 400 bags. A day you're going to be pitching 400 tough bags all by day, day three you're icing your shoulder if you're over the yes. age <laughs> yeah that's in true addition, 
in addition, it is, it's a skilled bag. I mean, you have to come in flat. Why throw a carpet bag if you're not going to take the, take advantage of the ability to shape shots, to be able to cut, to be able to do these things, throw something else then. And I think that's why right now, at least carpet is in the minority because it takes time to build that skill set. It is harder work. But once you master it, like we're seeing some of these young kids do, it really is a valuable skill set in this game and could be the future. I don't know. It might, it might be fast bags forever, but I'm crossing fingers. Me too. That we at least keep the carpet game in the game and it yeah. doesn't get weeded out completely. The, the one thing that I will say is, Anthony, you said, when do we say that this is the year of the carpet bagger? I promise you it's not going to be October, November timeframe. It's yeah. what we, we won't know this until maybe February, March. We'll start to get a sense for Definitely. whether it's going to really be a carpet year or not. Agreed. Agree. But continuing on with the uh, seniors side of things, uh, Damon Dennis did take the win there. Um, Frank Maldon wasn't there to challenge him. So, uh, you know, curious to see how those two keep playing out in the senior division and who keeps taking the wins there or if someone else steps up. But guess who almost did step up? The Donald, or what did, what did Bernie call him? The Don? Man, the Don. <laughs> Donald Cup, making a run. What are your thoughts, Anthony? Yeah, so this is your 102nd ranked player from last season. We took the top 100 to, to re-requalify as pro. He was 102, so he's right out there. This dude can fill up the hole. I mean, if you, you I don't have his stats in front of me. Maybe you do, Mike. Last I looked, I want to say he was like mid-10s. I mean, it was really, really high. The guy was throwing at an insane rate and still somehow with cup essentially sealing, throwing his best, Damon Dennis still able to uh, to pull out another to another senior title. Yep, exactly. Yeah, Donald has been a resurgence over the last, I would say, six months or so. It's been a different Donald Cup. Absolutely. We'll see if he continues there as well. All right, let's move into our double side of things uh, as my dog is trying to break out of my office. <laughs> I'm going to take care of that. Anthony, talk about doubles. Okay, yeah. So um, maybe I'll just kind of uh, look to, to last week. You know, what, what did we say we were watching for and then what actually happened? So, Mike, I'm going to start with, and you might have some insight here. We've got the Ryans, right? We've got Alec Ryan and David Ryan that we talked about. Will dad keep up? Will he be able to match his son's level of play so they can be a strong doubles partnership moving into the season? Well, the answer is yes. Again, back to back, fourth in their bracket. They shut out a Danny Seals and a Crips. Uh, they took down a Brandon Jones and a Travis Purser, who were also on my watch list. And they took the best team in the world, Richards and Lopez, to 19 to 18. What do you think about this father-son combo, man? I mean, they're, they're looking solid. I did not have a chance to see them this weekend, but I, reverting back to Rock Hill, I say, I'll say it again. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. They're the real deal. They are to be contended with this year. David, every bit kept up with, with Alec, and in some cases was out-throwing Alec. And if that continues, this is a top-20 team. I promise you that they have got the talent. Here's what's here's what's cool about watching them play as a, as a uh, a student of the game, someone who sees, you know, stylistics and techniques and stuff like that. Complete opposite. So you're yeah. gonna have you're you're he gonna have over the bag, right? David does yeah, two sides <laughs> to the bag. <laughs> not only not only are they throwing opposite sides of the bags predominantly, but Alec Ryan is gonna throw your standard 
you know, flat to throwing hand side tilt that you see from most, most carpet baggers that gives them the ability to roll and cut. And then the opposite is basically what I call a weak side release. You're releasing in a handshake position, the opposite tilt. So Alec is working, shaping shots with a stick side. Dad is working straight line to the hole. Weak side release, basically your senior style release with mm -hmm. the slick side. Two different games with the same bag, and it's somehow successful for them. Yeah, it's amazing. Because that's not easy to do. No, no, I'm still trying to throw a weak side handshake release because sometimes I want to cut in the other direction. Right. Once, you, once you've trained yourself to really release in that in that dirty style of release, it's hard to go the other direction. You're like, ah, I forgot how to do that because most of us start out that way because it's easy. Yeah, interesting. Um, moving into my second one, uh, Brandon Brown and John Fuentes. I said last week I didn't understand this partnership from the beginning. It actually caught me off guard out of left field. I see Fuentes as a top 50 player. Brandon Brown, he's still working on his game. He's still improving coming out of the PDC. Yeah, it didn't go so well for them. They went one and two. Um, they took a first-round loss to Courtney Coy and Nicole Pratt. Um, so still trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with that new partnership. Kingfisher and Soprenit. I said last week, these guys are going to be sneaky good. I said, look out for Kingfisher. He was 7-1 in the qualifier. Did not disappoint. They took, they took a second-round loss and then rattled off five in a row with a big win over Foreman and Creek Killer, a top-10 team in the, in the doubles last year. They pull out a win over them. Uh, did you get a chance to watch those two at all, Mike, or have any thoughts on that young partnership? No, I also didn't get a chance to watch them. Uh, unfortunately, even though I was there all weekend, I was running a vendor booth for much yeah, of it. Yeah, So, so I, I, I got I to that, see the uh, board. Mike, I call that jail. Booth. When I run a vendor booth, I call it, I'm in jail. <laughs> we did have some, some boards right in front of my booth, though. So I did get to see okay, quite a bit, good. but I was reliant on what matches were put, put in front of me. Got it. Um, Eric Anderson, Timmy Jonas. We said last week, Anderson telling me these guys are coming. He said yeah. they're both much improved, and they're going to be a partnership to look out for. At, my, at first glance, I was like, Huh, that's an interesting combo. You know, I, I still seek Eric Anderson as an elite level talent. He, he didn't show it last year, but I still think he could be right back there in the mix. Timmy Jonas improving. But guess what? They definitely exceeded expectations. They made it to the final match out of the right to get to the king seat. That would basically the match right before the king seat. They were up 18 to three on Hisner and Henderson, who also did really well this weekend, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't close it. Couldn't close it, but they were right there, 18 and 18 to three to get to the king seat match. Um, still a notable a run for them, and they took down one of our top 10 to 15 teams that both me and Trey said would be out there, Justin Burton Jr. and Logan Chamberlain. So that's a real notable win um, for those guys. Um, Neistead and Shermerhorn. I said we expect them to do well. We wanted to see it. They were one of the four teams. To go six and zero in rounders, uh, they had a really a tough loss, twenty to twenty loss to get to the king seat. They take fifth overall, still a really strong run uh, and an opener for the season for me at least, showing that they can be as dominant as we think they can. Um, any thoughts on those guys, Mike? Did you uh, get a chance to see them, or just general thoughts on those teams? Um, I did see them for just a moment, and the 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 moment that I saw them, 
I think they buried like 12 or 16 bags in a row between the two of them. They, they were looking really solid. Um, so yeah, I, I think they've got a bright, a bright future. I think they've still got a few things to, to prove as far as their, their chemistry together. Um, when the, when the pro season starts, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I, I thought they looked good from what I could see. Nice. Uh, talked a little bit about the hunt brothers, uh, last week, last week, uh, Trey hunt, Bobby hunt. We're going to call them the hunt brothers, by the way. I think that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, um, it works. Yeah, <laughs> not the start they were looking for. Seventeenth in bracket. I, honestly, I still think they got a lot more to show, and I, and Bobby Hunt did show some of that in singles. But I think as a partnership, uh, they could still step up and do some work. Cano and Wooten. We said no Hunter Thorne last week. Cano. Right? I'm going to get sorry. everybody saying Cano. Oh. <laughs> oh. I went from Cano to to Cano, but it's Cano. Yeah. We're, um, but we're there now. We're, we're, we're there. there. Um, yeah. We're trying. Yeah, so I said last week, I wouldn't be surprised if they won a bracket. Well, they almost did. They took the king seat, so they ended up taking the king seat of that, waited for the, the loser's bracket to finish up. Um, yeah, they, they. I don't know. I just feel like that this team, in or individually, they could do a ton of work in singles, but right away, seeing them come in as a partnership, I was excited to just watch them play, and they were fun to watch. Mm -hmm. I'm really impressed – with uh Kano, right? I'm That's really right. impressed with with Kano's just body language and the way he handles and stuff. I don't know him yet personally. I look forward to meeting him and getting to know him, but he seems for a young kid who's got a lot of talent. He seems pretty humble, he seems pretty calm, he yeah. seems to take the bag shots, waiting for the good shots, not freaking out emotionally like you see some of these younger players. So that just draws me more to him even more and makes me more of a fan when I see that body language, um, any thoughts on those two, Mike? Oh yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and I'm just going to underline what you said about, I like his presence. I'll call it the presence on the boards. I think he's got more of a, he, he just feels like he's been around longer than, than he has. Um, I, I have talked to him quite a bit and he does to seem, seem to have a, a very solid and grounded head on his shoulders. So I'm, I'm interested to see what the season brings for him. Nice. Yeah, and one of, one of their notable wins there was going through Guy Graham. They did get that win, 21-19 in that bracket. So yeah. that's as good as it gets. So to take yeah. down a team like that, uh, huge for them. Um, and Noah talked, Wooten is, is playing like the Noah Wooten maybe that we, oh, we thought we were going to see last season. He's just been lighting it up. This is the Noah Wooten of old. Okay. And again, maybe even better than the Noah Wooten of old. One of the – that when was that incredible shot? Was that in the um... – Final. Was it a double bar soap? What did he do? There's something amazing. I just remember going, what in the world that I just witnessed? <laughs> we were that seeing quite a few bar of soaps this weekend. Yeah, that's uh, true. I saw, I saw Mark Richards hit like three. Mark Richards, I know. So I, I think people bar are of soap were, were accidents. Right. <laughs> and now exactly. we're seeing them frequently. So here's how it develops, right? And maybe we'll just get a little science-y for a minute. But okay. not, not, only, not, only are people, not only are people recognizing the setup more, but with this new breed of carpet baggers, a lot more carpet baggers in the game, you're ending in stacked, or you call it covers, mm -hmm. I think, Mike. Yeah. You're ending up in these stacked positions a lot more and more. You know, yeah. you're attempting a roll. You don't get quite all of it, but you end up in a stack. Players are now recognizing that setup. Push bags are improving, and people are taking advantage of that and having a lot of success with the uh, with the bar. So, I mean, it's and I'm here for it. I, I am you, here for it. You absolutely nailed it. We're seeing more and more of them 
But I think the key is the 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 player IQ. They're seeing the potential for the oh, bar soap yeah. way more than they had seen it in the past. Therefore, you're leading at least to a lot more attempts and a lot more successes. Hey, oh, but yeah. uh, speaking of doubles, um, I'm sorry. Who got one of those bracket wins, and and who predicted that win? I'm. Misha's, me? Misha's on it, man. <laughs> Misha's on it. Nostradamus. Nostradamus up in here. <laughs> oh, man. It wasn't that hot of a hot take, but I got to take my credit when I can. Uh, sure. But Wheatonfield. Wheat <laughs> so yeah. that was that was still impressive. Almanza Wheatonfield. I said I loved that team. I thought that was going to be fun to watch, um, even though I wasn't sure how the bag, you know, because there was the whole can Almanza throw a carpet. Yes. And, I don't know. Tell me what you think. Yeah, yeah, you, you nailed it. So we said no Ryan Smith in the field, which makes Ryan Wiedenfield available. We said no Duncan Clemmer in the field, which makes Almanza available. These two team up, and like you said, we said, how does Noah throw a carpet bag in competition? Can he do that? And the answer, like you said, damn good. He did okay. Almanza, I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> real good. Win their bracket with carpet, second overall Wiedenfield is special. I think, you know, we keep talking about rookie of the years. There's no doubt he is in that, that mix of rookie of the years. He could definitely be one that comes out and takes down that, that title. I'm excited to see him do that too. But they didn't win. And we talked a lot about Mark Richards and is there going to be a sophomore slump? And I don't think we can make any predictions about that even after this weekend quite yet. But the fact that Mark Richards and Philip Lopez Jr. And we're, we'll talk about singles in a second, but how well they both did, but especially Philip Lopez did in singles. Um, I don't know if we're going to see a sophomore slump from these guys. Definitely not as a team. I mean, they are still <laughs> tough as a team. And individually, when we get to singles, we'll talk a little bit about it. But at least early, there's no indication of a sophomore slump. What, what do you think about this sophomore slump, Mike? You think that that's a thing? Uh, history says it's going to happen. History it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, and some sometimes the sophomore slump maybe takes a little more than you know. You, you don't start slumping until you're the tail end of your second year, and then maybe the beginning of your third year. But the the players that just have a a, a boom in their rookie year, um, they they a lot of them, not all do come back down to earth within about a year or two. Um, maybe they rejoin the pack. We'll see. But that didn't happen this weekend. Mark Richards, Philip Lobos Jr. do take the win um, and are impressive, not just on their doubles play, but on singles. Anything to add into doubles before we move on to singles, guys? Maybe just one last thought. Uh, we talked a little bit about Gore and Trey Birchfield. Uh, Birchfield seemed to have this interesting success when teaming up with the 12 and yeah. 13 year old, the kids. you know, insane players, kids in this didn't happen this time. So the streak is broke. Uh, I think they ended up like 17, uh, somewhere way down there in their bracket, but we were keeping a close eye on that one to see, uh, to see if Birchfield could keep that streak going, but it happens. It happens. And yeah, you know, it happened. All right. Moving into singles. Yeah, it is tough to stay at the top. Moving into singles, we alluded to it earlier, Caden Allen being the real um, standout player, not just an open two, but open one as well. So continuing his success. Um, but we also saw some impressive play from a lot of other people. I mean, Nate Stevens, incredible to yes. watch. Logan Chamberlain. Um, I don't know. Did you guys see Jamie Graham's post before singles day? Yes. <laughs> so what football. do we think? Do we think the football ruined his chances of, of winning? Hey, if the guy is saying it did, I believe him. So basically <laughs> for those for those not familiar, uh, apparently Jamie Graham thought it'd be a good idea to chuck a football around a little bit before 
before singles jacked his arm up. Um, he ended up, I want to say, second to last maybe in his bracket. Second to last in his bracket. 33rd bracket, 33rd place bracket finish. Yep. So he's tied. I, I don't know. What do you have, Mike? Like maybe seven people tied for 33rd or something like that. There's a lot. And the only other position below that is the other like 13 players tied at 49th. So yeah, it's a like prediction. Jamie Graham never throws a football again in his life. Done. He is <laughs> you done. just stole a hot take. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's my hot take for later. All right. Just, just pretend uh, you didn't do that. Uh, I'll, yeah, edit that back. That's not possible. It's just going to roll. All right. <laughs> we got a few more minutes here, but let's just go ahead and touch on singles, Anthony. Um, talk a little bit about Bobby Hunt. I was really impressed with him in singles. He ended up having a strong run, taking fifth. Uh, an, another dirty style player, I think, that could make some noise in the league. Um, Philip Lopez, uh, a.k.a. Philip Slopez, uh, who's pick, pick, <laughs> picking up his speed this year with the new shot clock. Um, hey, funny. this dude – okay. This dude is not just Mark Richards' partner. Right. Right? Yeah. And I'm glad – I'm happy for this guy to make a run like that to say, hey, yes, I am a world champ behind the A player, Mark Richards, but I am, I am an elite-level player in myself. People forget he finished 11th in singles last season, kind of quietly because I think there was a lot of attention around his partner, but this dude is no joke. I was, I was, I was excited to see him make his own run in singles. Um, Tough, tough day for Brett Guy, uh, last in his bracket. I, I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen something like that out of Brett Guy in a while. Again, a lot of amateur talent. He could have just ran into some players that were hot at the moment, uh, taking the L's. Um, we talked about Caden Allen. This kid's different. Something is different. So two opens, two bracket wins. The kid's two for two in open bracket wins. Statistically, he's off the charts. I mean, if you look at some of these – some of these stats, he almost looks, it's weird. He reminds me of a, of a carpet or dirty style thrower just in his technique and how he plays, yeah. but he's not throwing a carpet bag and he's just, is just filling up the hole yes. um, with, with high frequency. He's going to be special. I don't think he's officially signed his he, contract. He, needs sponsors. he, he can't sign no. until he gets sponsors and I can't believe he doesn't have sponsors. Uh, <laughs> uh, sponsors. <laughs> Where are you at? <laughs> Where are you um, sleeping out there? Yeah. Hey, I, I think the kid might need some help, someone to make one phone call on his behalf. I promise you he's going to get a sponsor. This is a kid that could come now. To be fair, he's going to be out of the PDC. He missed that age by like, what was it, days or something yeah. like that. Five days is what I heard. Because of his age, he's going to be coming out of the PDC. But there is no doubt that he will come out of the PDC. Yeah. And he will jack up pro brackets, yeah. essentially, you know, essentially being like, um, like a Jack Gore who who was still in the run for top ten coming out of yeah. the PDC. He might even be that much better. Um, yeah. So, Kate sponsors come out of every PDC field uh, that he enters for the yeah. nationals. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hopefully this show got him a little visibility. Sponsors. <laughs> Give this guy a contract. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, he's 17. He needs, he's being realistic. He's like, I need travel money. Like, why this isn't gonna happen unless someone steps up. So I mean, let's help the guy out. Yeah, yeah. finished off with uh just two more here, Micah. Sorry, and then you can jump in here. Um no Wooten. How freaking good is no Wooten right now? I mean insane. Does anyone does anyone use 
more different bags. Is that a sentence? All over the Does place. Does anyone <laughs> use different bags more than Noah Wooten? You never know what he's going to walk up to the board with. Ever. He doesn't have like that tried and true, like, you know, like that's what he's throwing. Like, it's like the bags that he never, it's like all dirty and worn and like, it doesn't have it. It's just all over the place. Yeah, he uses whatever. And then my last thought, I definitely want to give uh, Nate Stevens some props. Um, yeah. I, if you look at all last season, every time we brought up Nate Stevens, I kept saying, this guy's sneaky good. He never really busted out deep into brackets, but here's a case where he's showing that he has it. I was able to partner up with him in, in a blind draw when, when I was doing the pro thing two or three years back. So I really got – there's nothing better than, than being a partner across from someone to really see how talented they are because you're constantly seeing their decision-making scenarios, how they handled it. And I was really impressed walking out of that blind draw tournament uh, with Nate Stevens. And I was like, man, this guy is good, and he's, no one's really talking about him. So yeah. really happy to see him make a deep run and show really the nation – that he is, he is has an elite level uh, uh, style of play, and just a really, really good guy too. On top of being a great player, he's a great guy. Uh, great guy, uh, Mike. I know you had some information to share with us about consistency. You want to spend the next yeah. few minutes talking about that? Yeah. So, so we've talked about how great the 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 field has gotten, not just in the pro division, but the open division as well. So, how hard it is to go into these places and finish well. So, I I want to give some props out to the players that finished well in both of the first two opens of the year. Um, of course, not everybody played in two opens. I believe we had 69 players uh, participate in both opens and uh, singles I'm, I'm talking about. So at the top of my list, Caden Allen, I mean, technically he got better, but he won his bracket in both, both <laughs> opens. This time he takes down the whole field. So Caden Allen, as far as bracket finishes go, he, he's the only player to take down two brackets so far this year yep. in singles. Um, Noah Wooten came in second in Rock Hill in his bracket and brings home a, a bracket win in, in Louisville. Um, let's see, Nate Stevens, seventh place in Rock Hill, first place in Louisville in his bracket. Matt Guy, a fifth in Rock Hill, second in Louisville. So that's pretty consistent. How about Mr. Alex Hicks? Baby Goat with a second place in Rock Hill and a third place bracket finish in Louisville. So, again, super consistent. Yeah. And then I'll just close my list with a, a couple other names here. Ryan Wiedenfeld took home a fourth and a fifth. And um, I, I guess I got to give him a, a couple more. Matt Guy, fifth and a second. Alec Ryan, a fifth and a fifth. So mm -hmm. those are your consistent players between the first two opens of the year couple notable names that this may not be a trend, but you should pay attention to. Joe Niestet went from third in Rock Hill to 17th in Louisville. Um, we already talked about Jamie Graham. He went from a bracket win in Rock Hill to 33rd in Louisville. And, it's just and the football. It was just the football, Mike. He'll be right back. Yeah, just the football. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> uh, Trevor Brooks, uh, third in Rock Hill in his bracket, 49th yes. in Louisville. Yes, good call. Um, so, you know, again, is it something to worry about this year early in the year? I don't think so, but we need to watch and see if maybe there's a trend there. Um, and then the last one that had any sort of significant drop off that finished well in Rock Hill was Trey Birchfield. He went from fifth in Rock Hill to 17th in Louisville. So I remember a time when we would have never dreamed that Trey would come in as low as fifth in his bracket, mm -hmm. let alone dropping down to a 17th. So, um, I think that's a testament to how strong the field has gotten. 
I couldn't agree more. All right, guys. Well, it's time for our hot take section. I don't know if you have one ready, Mike, but do you have one, Anthony? Yeah, I can't deny. We cannot deny Wooten's play right now. Um, I, I got to throw him a hot take. Bracket winner at a national. I would say definitely. No Wooten winning a bracket in singles at a pro national, giving him a chance to get on that ESPN broadcast for a final. No Wooten's coming. And he, he's working right. hard. He's continuing to work yeah. hard, so I think it's a good call. Good. Mike, do you have one for us? I do. Um, okay. My hot take is for all the sponsors out there, Caden Allen will be on ESPN <laughs> this year. Okay, mine's a Caden Allen one too, but it was different. Okay, cool. So mine is that Caden Allen wins his next bracket. I think he's going to go three in a row. Let's three go, in a row. <laughs> Three in a row. Let's go. That'd be awesome. And, and, you think um, he's going to win his next bracket? I say he's going to win. A, I, th I think he's going to win a pro singles event. Yeah. Or a bracket. Pro singles oh, okay. bracket okay. to make pro it to ESPN. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, still, yeah. That's still that's hot. Crazy. When the whole thing is really hot. Yeah, that would and then, be awesome. Out of the PDC to win a tournament. Wow. Amazing. And then to round it all out, Jamie Graham will never throw football again in his life. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we all agree on that hot take. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. That's it for our show this week. We'll see you guys all next time.